We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The MPW Digital Podcast Network proudly presents McCrady and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. Join longtime SEC beat writer Neil McCrady and former South Alabama assistant, Alabama staffer, and Ole Miss recruiting coordinator Tyler Siski for an hour of football and fun. Listen and enjoy as they talk ball, the national landscape, and much, much more. Now, here's your host in the Clark Ford Studios, Neil McCrady. Welcome into another edition of McCready and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. I'm Neil McCready. That's Tyler Siski here on this Thursday, March the 2nd. Thank you for making us a part of your week. We will uh, just tell you for next week, we'll be uh, doing a Monday show. And then uh, there won't be a second show next week because I'm going to the SEC tournament, working on some uh, working on some SEC Ole Miss basketball stuff. And then uh, I'm taking my son on a quick little excursion yeah I'm, I'm trying to go on a trip too so we, me and you may have to talk about that following monday too so i gotta figure that out yeah, yeah. hey before we get going we just talked about it too we did get a super chat from a first first time super chat and i love the uh the screen name that's why i was over here laughing laughing siski burna that's the gun that uh rich uh, rod has yeah <laughs> says neil you got us kiffin get us wade so you're on the, you're on the clock neil you know, um, they want you to go get them wade I, or Siski Berna wants you to go get, get him. I, 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 first of all, thank you for the super chat, Siski Berna. But um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think uh, I don't think I can get you, Will Wade. I don't. I don't think I can. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't like my chances whatsoever to get you, Will Wade. I don't, <laughs> not any. I, Come on, Neil. If it were up to me, that's who I probably would hire. You're an agent of the stars. Um, the whole Kiffin thing's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, the whole people do the you got Kiffin. I'm like, no, I didn't. And the show played a role, I think. It's a good bait. It's a good measure, in my opinion, because I was the one getting fired while your ass was doing that, by the way. Yeah. Um, but in my opinion, I think your show is a pulse of the fanatics of the fan base at Ole Miss, your, your Oxford Exxon podcast. Oh, you think ours is more of the fanatics? I think people who listen are, are fans or yeah, yeah, invested. Yeah. Yeah. Not not. I shouldn't say fanatics and crazy fanatics. Yeah. More of fans. So I think that's a, a gauge of the passion of your Oxtrax on podcast. Maybe so. So there you go. All right, let's get this thing started. Yeah, before we do, let me tell you, we're brought to yep. you each and every uh, show. This is episode 61 of the uh, of the big show here. Uh, we're brought to you by Rain Total Body Fuel. 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. 
It's got what you need to push the limits and achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. Our uh, our good friend, big fan of the show, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> okay, I didn't know where you were going. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Our, our good our good friend, I mean, big not? fan of the show. Why not? Uh, comes out of his darkness retreat and has the most bizarre interview uh, with Aubrey Marcus um, that I have maybe ever witnessed in my life. It was one of those that I was looking for. It was on YouTube. I, I actually came across it last night. So I was trying to, it was like, you know, what's he saying about, you know, coming out of darkness? I was curious. And I learned a few things out of that interview. One is I'm definitely not as deep of a thinker as uh, these two guys are. That was the most, again, bizarre. The guy was asking a question. Auburn Mar Marcus was asking a question. Okay. The question lasted as him, him asking the question would last somewhere between five to seven minutes of asking the question. And you're like, and it was just all over the place. And it was like an hour and a half long. And the and it sounded like you were getting a massage and some and you know, they play the music where you're supposed yeah. to relax. Everybody was talking like this. And <laughs> it was a really slow tempo. I mean, just I was like Were they smoking dope? Dude, I don't know. They didn't appear that way. Okay physically looking at them but they definitely sounded like it uh but you ever, you ever gone to get massages <laughs> seriously <laughs> where's this one no have you ever gone to get a massage i gotta be careful on this podcast <laughs> no a real a real not not that, not a happy ending massage a massage <laughs> i have gotten a massage before yes i always fall asleep um i don't because when i do go i usually because i have i have really bad back spasms from when i fell yeah so i'm usually knotted up and i need to get knots out um, so they're it's it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not mine's mine's not enjoy I've never gotten an, an enjoyable massage. When I was marathoning towards the end of marathoning, I would include that like in the final three or four weeks just to keep because you were doing the the last few weeks of marathon training, like the last two weeks you kind of uh, uh un, you go down. Yeah. But the three or four weeks right before you yeah. cycle out to get ready, the Sunday run is like 17 miles, then 18 miles, then 19 miles, then 20 miles. So you're doing a 19-mile run one Sunday and a 20-mile run the next. And so your body just, just your body's just like, what are we doing, right? Right. And you're running three days in between. And so I would, I would include that on, I would get one on Friday on those weeks. And I'd, I'd fall asleep every time. I'd wake up and it was well, over, and I was like, "Son of a bitch!" Well, if you watch this interview, like you need to put this interview on the next time you go get a massage, and you'll fall asleep too. I literally was trying to. I mean, he had three. He literally covered like three topics. You know what he did? You know they talked about the actual darkness retreat, mm -hmm. and then he goes into this thing where he's like, "The third day I woke up and I was retired. The fourth day I woke. He went through the day thinking what he what I would do if I was retired. The fourth day if I was still playing." And then it comes to the end of the show, and he basically is like, I haven't made a decision. <laughs> I'll make a decision sooner rather than later, basically, you know. But, you know, it's a really – Don't you think he knows what he's doing? Yeah, yes. All right, so – It's I, like I hate when kids are like, well, I'm going to take these five visits and then decide on what you know where you're you going. You already know. You already know where you're going. So uh, that's why I wanted to talk about it, right, is, look, at the end of the day, he has nothing left to prove. All no, right? of course not. 
nothing left to prove. He's arguably the greatest to ever play. I know we all say Tom Brady, which me included, but if you he he's up there. If he's not, he's in a discussion. He's a phenomenal quarterback. Yes. So you have nothing to prove. So at the end of the day, you just gotta ask yourself, because if he comes back and plays and he's committed to it and does the work, he's gonna be a top five. He's a top five talent in the league right now at 38, 39 years old, whatever the hell he is, 40. I don't know how old he is. 39, I think. The question is, can I put the commitment physically and mentally to play another season? If the answer is yes, then he's going to play. If the answer to that is no, then he's going to retire. And and it comes down to it's the same thing that happened with Tom Brady. Okay, athletes are different, especially elite athletes are different. Mm-hmm. They're built different in their mind. Sure. Can you deal with not being able – can you deal mentally, and that's a big – into my mental health, can you mentally health-wise survive – with not competing and playing when you know you're physically capable of doing it? That's the question. If the answer is yes, play. If the answer is no, quit. I mean, Tom Brady did it. He realized his skill set declined. He's not physically able to do it anymore. It's not mentally. It's physically. So he he shut it down. So there's that. But a very, very uh, crazy interview if you want to go to sleep. just I would encourage everyone not to put it on while you're driving because you may you – may, uh, not make it through the rest of the rest of the you drive. Sort of drift you'll fall. Off. You'll drift off and fall offside. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to move to this. This actually came up late in the day, and I wanted to thank. I can't remember who it was. So whoever you are, I want to thank you. Somebody posted this link on your board today when I was on there, like eating my lunch. I knew they were doing this. This is the NCAA, and I was waiting on it. I just hadn't seen anything come across. So. The NCAA has been pushed for years now to be very transparent about their data on the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so last week, unbeknownst, and nobody's reported on this. Nobody, no one has reported on this. And if they have, it's been buried. The NCAA released their transfer data from 2021 and the 2021-22 school year. So this data would have been, if you're an Ole Miss fan on here, this would have been the uh, Dart and Trig class. That's part of this data and so I, I start reading it I'm curious um, because this is the first data since immediate eligibility has come into play and so I start reading it and I get more and more pissed off the more I read this thing because I feel like I'm being I know what the intention of this of this data release was and the first thing you learn, this thing should be studied, by the way. If you are if you know a statistics uh, professor or somebody that, that teaches stats, this should be studied. It really should. This should be an example. And the one thing, I took a lot of stats class. I know I, I, know I look like a dumbass and all that stuff, but I'm actually a pretty smart guy, especially in math. Took a lot of stats classes in college. The first thing you learn in statistics is you can manipulate numbers any way that you want, to, want them to look. All right, so let's take baseball. We're big baseball guys, right? The problem is most everybody is a baseball fan, so they can understand this. If I tell you a guy hits 400 for a career, you're going to be like, shit, first ballot Hall of Famer. You're not even going to think twice about it. Of course not. But I can also come to you and say, hey, I got this guy, man. He, he failed at his job six out of ten times. Okay, sure. They're both the same stat. Right. One makes you think differently. But if you're a baseball fan, you can kind of see through the bull crap and go, wait a minute. He failed six out of ten times, so you're telling me he hit it 400? Oh, he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, the people reading this are not the baseball fan. The people reading this don't know how to discern between the numbers. 
So they start, what they do is they, they bounce back and forth in this article between percentages and actual numbers. Okay, so they start off, they say, um, we're releasing this because uh, to, to create transparency on the transfer portal. All right. And I quote, in, in Division One, 20,911 student athletes entered the transfer portal in 2022, an increase over the 2021 year that totaled 17,781. So you're like, okay, it was an increase, but not 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 a lot. Four thousand. It's fifteen percent increase from year one to year two. Yeah, pretty significant. That's significant. Yeah. Okay. But if you're reading the numbers, you're like, yeah, okay. Then this is where they get me. Two sentences later, when they're wrapping up this deal, they say in one sentence in a separate paragraph, while thirteen percent of all Division One student athletes were entered into the transfer portal in 2022, comma. 7% of all Division One student-athletes successfully transferred to an NCAA program after the portal entry. So you're looking at it, and you're like, okay, 13%, 7%, there's a 6% difference, not that big of a deal. But let me read the exact same thing to you and put the actual numbers in there. Okay. Because yep. this is where they start bouncing back and forth between yeah. percentages. Okay. Now, what if I read the sentence to you like this? 20,911 Division One student-athletes entered into the transfer portal in 2022. 11,251 Division One student-athletes successfully transferred. It's totally different because now it tells me that 10,000 people who got into the portal did not find a new home successfully. It'll be 9,660 to be exact. Yeah, yeah, I was round. But they, I, I, I was round. I know, yeah, but I'm yeah. saying they they are jumping back and forth in these percentages to try to to try to do things. You know, they're trying to trick around, you, trying yeah, to trick you yeah, a little yeah, bit for their, for their deal. Um, since we talked about basketball earlier, basketball seems to be the one that's crazy to me, the stats. Okay. In 2022, 1,649 men's Division One basketball players entered into the transfer portal. Okay. A slight decrease from 2021 of 1,687. 84% of those student athletes were on aid at their departing school. Okay. So 1,385 kids that were on scholarship in division one basketball okay entered the portal entered the portal okay okay all right just to give you a perspective which people don't understand how basketball works there are 13 scholarship players in division one that's correct okay there 13. are 358 teams right a hundred and six and a half basketball teams on scholarship entered the portal yep that's 30 percent of yep. all scholarship players entered the portal. Yep. Okay? They don't want to tell you that. They don't want to tell you that, hey, 1,385 scholarship players entered the portal. Oh, but there's only 4,654 scholarship players in basketball. They don't want to tell you that. That is true. All right? Now, here's where we're coming in. This is why roster management, they're trying to ha hide the roster management issue, right? And then they get down to, let's talk about FBS football. Oh, by the way, um, of the ones that transferred, 262 kids. They won't they they go percentages again, but they don't tell you that 262 college basketball players that are on scholarship no longer have aid. They don't want to tell you that. Almost surprised that number's not higher, but yes, that and that's a massive number. That's 20 teams. 
Yeah. 20 teams worth of kids no longer on scholarship, lost their opportunity to go to college. That's they don't They don't want to say that. That's what they're trying to hide. Right. They're trying to hide roster management and loss of, of financial aid for education. Yeah. Okay, and at the end of the day, we can call it what we want to, but most kids that go to college on football scholarship can't afford college on their own. Sure. In in football, I, I don't, here's sure. the sports I know about, football and men's basketball. Well, Those have, are sports I know about. And sometimes you have kids – in, in sports that are at schools where if it weren't for sports, forget the money. If it weren't for sports, they wouldn't be able to get in. Correct, because they get the, they so, get a sliding scale. And basically. so they, they, they get there, and then it they, they hit some adversity, and they bolt, and they don't land anywhere. And not only are they not playing basketball anymore, but you just threw away an education to SMU or Cal or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Um, and then it goes on and talks about football at the very end, FBS football. All right. How about this number? In FBS, 2,918 players entered the portal in 2022. Again, this is not this year because it's probably going to increase as well. This is last year. All right. 1,900. They then go to 67% of those. All right. But 1,955 of those players were on scholarship. That's 18% of all scholarship players in FBS went into the portal. Not this year, a year ago. Right. 18%. That's an average? Mm -hmm. Last year, again, not this year, last year there were 129 FBS qualifying teams. That's an average of 15.15 scholarship players per every school. It's unbelievable. Now, don't you remember like not that long ago where we had this number called 25? Yep. And we were wondering why the scholarship numbers were going down. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing I told them in 2018 when you do this. They don't want to listen. But you can't replace 25. You can't lose 15 kids a year. Okay? Over the course of four years, that's 60 players. That's so, damn near your whole team over four year a four-year period. So how many of those 1,951 successfully? All right. So here's what they claim. I call bullshit on this, too, by the way. But okay. this is the numbers they receive, and I'm sure they – but I, I find this one hard to believe. Okay. They did say 1,833. This is They went 67%, and then they jumped to 1,833. Of the 1,951? No, they don't give you the 1,950. They give you 67%. I had to do that. Okay. That Siski math. Yeah, I don't buy that number. Okay. They said 1,833 athletes received athletics aid at their new NCAA school. All right? So that would mean and, and only 122 scholarship players uh, were left in the in the portal without with yeah, I, don't, I, I don't buy I, that I don't buy that I think they are in my opinion I think they are skewing these numbers and this is how they're skewing this number is I know I can tell you one here at Ole Miss that happened to a kid on a kid at Ole Miss that was on full scholarship here went in the portal wasn't playing went in the portal no one picked him up but a Division two school did and gave him five hundred dollars in books. So that's technically that's aid. That's technically aid. Right. That'd be like if Carson went D2 yes. as a soccer player. My son, for those that don't know, I'm sorry for not supposed to talk about family, but I do anyway. Um, if, if he goes D2 at some place and they offer him books and a part of room and board, He's technically getting aid, even though he's paying full tuition. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, in football, I don't know the other sports numbers, like, but in football, uh, Division II gets 36 scholarships. 
as opposed to FBS, they get 85. Everybody's on full. And really the way those coaches do that is they take 36 times whatever the, the full cost is, and they have that uh, bit of money, and they parcel it out. Yeah, they just divide it they however they want to to make a full, you know, whatever the value of a full scholarship is. But anyway, I read that, and I guess my point is this, is the whole point of this was to be transparent. And the whole article was written not being real. It was basically manipulating the numbers to make it look good and beneficial where they didn't really tell the whole truth. They didn't lie. But again, they just skewed the truth. If that's, if they manipulated the truth. And uh, that's very depressing to see, the, to see that um, because it basically told me everything I already knew. Um, nothing surprised me. Uh, matter of fact, to give you to what's scary is the number really is 48%. It was 67 before the immediate eligibility came into play, just so you know. Oh, wow. So it's it's that's down 15%. All right, um, let's shift gears a little bit. Before we do, I'm going to tell you, we're brought to you by Walk-On Sports Bistro. They put everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine, po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, Plus fan favorites like juicy burgers, fresh salads, all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. So NCAA tournament getting ready to start. Conference tournaments have started. The women's tournament is going on as we speak, the SEC tournament in uh, South Carolina. So lots of stuff on the TVs here over the next couple weeks. So if you're in Oxford or Ridgeland, stop by walk-ons. Check out some basketball. Get yourself a a beer and a appetizer or a meal and make sure that you tell the people at Oxford Ridgeland how much you appreciate them sponsoring McCready and Siski. It's my, my favorite. Uh, I'm we're in my favorite period coming up like March and April Yeah, of like, I guess not football sports, non-football because we got NCAA basketball tournament at the mm-hmm. masters. Sure. You know, I, I love it. So I'm excited about my setup in my man cave being with the four. Don't think those TVs were – I'll have a, a game on each TV. It'll be it'll be fun. You get one on True, one on TBS, one on TNT. CBS. And the, 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 That's all the fourth this, one. Yeah, the CBS will be the fourth one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Now, I used to have that. I haven't even looked to see what happened in the women's tournament today. I just haven't looked. Yeah. Been busy. Um. All right. I wanted to – I don't know if anybody's ever talked about this, because I don't know if anybody's ever done a podcast that had this duty – um, I think you knew this, but I was the NFL liaison for probably the last half of my career. I did know that. Um, and that's how I know so many scouts and NFL people because that was my job. Um, and with the combine that started, I guess they started running and everything today um, going on. Wanted to give the fans kind of an idea of what goes on through an NFL scout process and how it goes year round. And we can talk about it and, and talk about everything as it goes through. But we'll start it in August because that's kind of when the new year starts. Uh, I guess unofficially, but so when you're when you start camp at the very beginning of fall camp is when all the NFL teams and if you're a place like you know I was at Alabama I was at Ole Miss you know if you're an SEC team you're going to see all 32 teams um, pretty much in the first week to two weeks of camp they're all going to come in there yeah all right most of the times it's five and six a day all right and um, when they show up so let's show up the first day of fall camp they already know who your upcoming draft eligible players are and they have already done the film work off of their year prior. So they, they've kind of already done their work in the, in the summer and they're all off time with those guys and they come in and they meet with whoever the liaison is, which was me here or, or at Alabama or wherever. And they get the background 
character, get your thoughts on the kid, off the field, any issues. They really start – that's when they start doing their primary dig um, on kids. Um, they're going to meet with the trainer for about 30 minutes to 45 minutes in that, in that visit. And so we would have this whole day kind of planned. It was almost like Groundhog Day every day. Uh, they would see me, then they would go to Pat, uh, and he would discuss – Pat Jernigan. Pat Jernigan, and mm-hmm. you would discuss injuries. And this is one of the biggest misconceptions in the whole thing. No trainer is hiding injuries. You can't hide medical records. Okay, so they're going to be very honest up front. This is the injury. This is what happened, things like that. A lot of people say, oh, well, they hid this injury from they, You don't hide shit like that. You can't. You can't hide medical records. Um, you talk, go over the health and all that stuff, um, and then they meet with a strength coach, and they want to talk about work ethic, not necessarily numbers as much as they do because uh, the strength coach probably knows the players better than anybody in the building. Yeah, spends so, more time with them. Spends more time with them. So they get an hour with those guys. And then they come out to practice. If they have time, they will meet with the position coach then uh, to ask about some things. If not, um, and usually we'll meet with a position coach if it's a really good player. Okay, so like I know when I was here at Ole Miss, um, one of my last class, I know one of the classes when we had A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, well, everybody was going in and ask and wanted to meet with Peeler, right? Because that was, could you yep. knock out two birds, one stone, two top draft picks? Um, so they'll meet with this position coach and all that stuff. And then they'll, they'll leave and you will not, and they'll, they'll go to practice and they won't watch them do anything in practice, but body type. Okay. So they will, you know, what they call body type in the kid. Um, and then they'll leave and you will not see them again until they come do their in season visit. Okay. So an in season visit, they're going to come in and get any update that you have, you know, how's he playing? Yada, yada, yada. How's he doing? Yada, yada, yada. And they're going to watch the new game film. Uh, a lot of them now with technology have done their stuff, can do their stuff in advance now. Um, some old old school guys still like to do it in person, uh, but they're going to come. They'll usually uh, try to correlate that with a game or practice and watch him in a game or practice. And it's not necessarily how he plays, but it's how he reacts. Yeah. Okay. They want to see moments of adversity, how you react, and things like that. They will watch a game, and then they will. Uh, at the very, very, very end of the season, okay, what I would do as an NFL liaison is I would call because you don't – I shouldn't say you don't. Most schools don't allow you to discuss three-year players with NFL scouts. Like at Alabama, that was a no-no. We're not talking about um, – like when I was there, we can't talk about Amari Cooper. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When Amari Cooper's a third-year player, he's not drafted. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's got to be a guy that's a four-year player. 
Some schools do. Like if you know the guys going to draft, like a C.J. Stroud, a Bryce Young, coaches will be okay with it. It's those second, third-round guys that most schools try to protect. Um, now, Matt, Luke here, he allowed me to talk about those guys. So, um, But some schools do not. Okay. All right. Um, but part of that process is because I did that, I could also call them and be like, hey, can you tell me what grade that you have on AJ? What grade that you have on DK? And they would give me a round grade. And I would, I would compile that information. So when we met with the players the very next day after the season's over with, you meet with your you meet with DK, you meet with AJ, you meet with those guys and discuss are you gonna go out, are you not? Here are the grades that you have. And I remember I got on both those kids, I got 17, 18 grades back. Um, some organizations did not want to do it, but I mean I got enough to know you get 18 grades back, you know kind of where they're at. Um <clears throat> and I remember when we met with uh DK Metcalf. Like, A.J. Brown, we told, hey, we told him it's probably best that you go. You know, we've talked to all the NFL scouts. The only thing that you're really lacking from being an elite top-round pick is overall speed. I mean, how many more balls can you catch, right? How much more production can you do? Um, you, There's nothing you can improve here. And so he was – He was as, if he came – if he stayed another year, he was still going to get drafted in the same place, if that makes sense. Yeah. D.K. was different. DK was different. My advice to DK was to actually come back to come back to school. Um, was really worried. DK was coming off his neck injury. He was not going to be able to work out for scouts. Got hurt in Little Rock and didn't finish the season. Yeah, a lot of medical concerns on him. And I got a lot of uh, a lot of grades back on DK from teams that were they were not going to draft him at all. Undrafted free agent grades, Oof. ton back. Okay, DK just happened to be a freak of nature. And between the time we had that conversation uh, on Friday after Thanksgiving to draft day, he improved his physical health so much that he passed. You know, he he changed minds in that in that time frame. But my worry with DK was this. It was a business decision because what I explained to DK on my, my side of it was, hey, if you come back here and you play one more year, you eliminate all these doubts, you're going to be a first a top 10 pick. And the money that you make as a top 10 pick, as a four-year guaranteed contract, you'll never be able to make that money up in your career ever because you're going to get, you know, $15, $20 million as opposed to $2 million. You're losing 18. And the kid's like, well, I want to get paid. Well, we are. We're paying you $18 million to come back, essentially. Um, but with DK, my biggest concern with him from a business decision obviously he's proven right right I mean, he's oh yeah great. it's worked out, sure, worked out of course. great of course but my concern with him was this was if he wasn't drafted in the first two rounds none of his money was guaranteed right and he could show up and get hurt one more time and he could be cut right with no money he was the last pick in the second round the last pick so that gave him two years of guaranteed football does that make sense? Of course. That was my only – if you're a first two rounds, get out of here and go. But my concern with the grades that I had that he was not – he may have been a third or fourth round pick. I thought that was as good as he'd ever do. But obviously he's a genetic freak and improved. But um, it was Yeah, more, I remember like seeing him in March of that draft cycle and going, oh, my God. Like he's always was a freak, but he wasn't that kind of freak. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, he didn't, he didn't look like that. When yeah. he was in high school and early college. He was, um, you know, I, I can tell the story. I don't care. Um, we passed on him at Alabama. He came to camp, and he was stiff, couldn't change directions. 
skinny. I could jump, had some explosive twitch in there. You saw the explosive twitch. He was not as fast as DK is now. He wasn't that guy then. And we passed on him. Uh, it worked out. You know, we took, <laughs> we took a pretty good player. I mean, it was it was him or Calvin Ridley at the time, right? So, yeah, sure. I mean, it, it all worked out, but it worked out great for him. But I have never in my life, there are three players that come to mind. It's DK Metcalf, um, Gerald Everett, who's now the tight end for the um, – Los Angeles Chargers and uh, Demarcus Ware, who was a Hall of Famer. Yeah, that after their initial grade at that age, just physically matured, and is such a genetic freak that you couldn't deny it. Improved that much after you know a junior in high school. Um, he he's just a and he's a great kid. I love him to death. He competitor the whole deal. But um and then the last thing uh on this is you start then you then you meet with the underclassmen like we talked about and then um the, the big the senior bowl comes up right and you got that's kind of their first experience with nfl coaches and and it's like a mini combine experience for them a little bit to where they start meeting with the nfl executives and then you have where we're at this week which is the combine which is the most crazy process things i've ever seen in my life it's insane um the most insane part is the interviews. Um, I'm not going to name players or organizations, but organizations will get in there with owners, GMs, coaches, and they will bring players in. And they will ask some of the most absurd, unprofessional questions to get a, get a rise out of you, get a response out of you. They just ask weird things. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know what the purpose of it is. Um, but I know players that I've coached that have gone into those meetings and have got up and walked out and told the coaches and the owners to go F themselves. It was that unprofessional. Um, some of the questions that they got. Like what? I can't even repeat it. Um, well, give me give me a theme. Uh, one coach asked a player, coach, coach, okay. asked a player, that was in a room, if he would go, um, he liked to chase tail, and he didn't use that word. Right, right, right. He used the word that starts with a P. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want you to go chase chase tail with me. Um, you good with doing that? Because I like to do that with my players. And was being dead serious. And he was like, excuse me? Yeah, I want you to go. That's what we I like to do with my position group. Is this? And then he's like, is this an inter, uh, interview for – the organization, because and basically he says, if this is what this organization is about, I don't want to be a part of it, and got up and left. And then that team turned around and leaked it that he walked out of the interview, right? Of course. And now it gets, you know, Schefter gets on it, right? I pronounced his name right that time? Adam Schefter. Got it. Yeah. All right, there left out go. the N. They report, oh, he walks out of these interviews. <laughs> yeah, he's called him Schnefter. <laughs> yeah, Chef, I call him Schefter. Schefter. Yeah. <laughs> But they walk out of these these rooms and they're like they start basically blackballing them in the draft, so they will fall to where they want to pick them. It's a it's a game, man. Oh sure, of course it is. It's a big gamesmanship thing, and they kill these kids in the process by asking stupid. They try to piss them off so they will get that reaction to get so now they can leak that he left the interview or the interview went bad or whatever it was, and that everybody you know how the draft is. Everybody starts going oh oh oh, oh sure, and they start dropping. Um, so. That happens there. That's that's. I wish more people would talk about that. Um, and then you have pro day, um, individual workouts, which can. There's another gamesmanship, individual workouts. All right, let's say I want to draft you, Neil. I want to draft you in the third round. 
but that may be my first pick in the draft, or I'm, I'm, I may that's where I got you. But I'm worried that teams in the second round are going to take you. I've seen at multiple places after pro day or before pro day, usually it's after, they want to draft you, and they'll call and say, hey, you have any – who are you working out with? Well, i got to – you know, I'm just using one as an example. i got to work out with the Seahawks. Okay, well, that's who they're worried about. When's your workout? Next Tuesday. What do you think about doing a workout with us on Monday? Okay, cool. What's the kid going to say? No. Right. So they bring in everybody, and they will wear that kid out. So that Tuesday he's – So Tuesday he's spent, spent. They'll keep him up at night at dinner, all night late. And so he's tired, and so he doesn't perform well against the other team that's coming in the next day, and they won't take him. Yeah. I mean, that happens all the time. <laughs> and nobody talks about it. It happens sad. all the time. Um, and I was reminded of all this. I saw uh, Gronkowski did like uh, was on a podcast or something, and he was talking about how when he went, he was so done when he got to the Patriots on his visit. He got out when they took him out. He gets hammered or whatever. He like passes out on the floor, and they're like going to room. And he's like he's passed out on the floor, and he's either he's like I'm over with. It. I'm done with it. You either draft me or I, or you're not. And he, you know, like Bill O'Brien said, drew up a play or something. He goes, I don't know what the play is. Just throw me the damn ball. You know what I mean? I'll get, you know, but it's just the, the whole process is very weird. Um, and it starts, I guess, right now. So we're it's going to get heated up with the quarterbacks here uh, shortly. We're brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, same great products, same great services, same great people. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, South Haven, that area, call the people at Southern 662-429. 4429. So Anthony Richardson is moving up the mock drafts. How, yeah. how much do you buy Anthony Richardson as perhaps the first overall pick? I don't buy any of it, but I will I want to explain why more than anything. Okay. So here here are your four first round, I guess, capable quarterbacks, right? You have uh Bryce Young, you have CJ Stroud, Will Levis, and I guess Anthony Richardson. Yeah. All right. Here's the here here's the problem. In my opinion, and this is my opinion, which will buy you a cup of coffee the next time you come to the office. None of these guys are like slam dunk. You know, you're not getting – now, next year, Caleb Williams, different story, but you're not getting a slam dunk number one overall pick quarterback out of any of these guys because they all have question marks. All right, Bryce Young has an arm strength and a size problem. All right, C.J. Stroud has an accuracy problem and, and production problem. And what I mean by production is what has he done besides the one big game? All right, Will Levis has all the tools, but he does have some accuracy issues, and he has um, a 22 production problem. And then you look at Anthony Richardson, he has a touch problem, and he has a production problem. Well, the problem with these mock drafts and the way fans see everything, okay, and this is the way fans see everything. Fans don't view – they view strictly on production. Fans look to see what did this kid do – as a college quarterback, and how many yards he throw for, what did he do? That's why if you go literally in order of what most people think, they literally go in the order of who had the best career in college. That's all, They don't look at any other attribute, but just how good. Did, that's why Bryce Young, did he have a good college career? Yeah, yeah on the damn Heisman Trophy, good. right? Uh-huh. Sure. All right, next is C.J. Stroud. The reason that he's actually bumped up is because he had a really good game against Georgia. But they don't, they're not looking at the other 13 games that happened before that where he couldn't throw one in the flats. He was overthrowing everything. He struggled production-wise. Had a great team around him, then they won, but whatever. Will Levis had a great 2021, 
not very good 2022, right? He's hurt. But, I mean, production-wise. Yeah, sure. And then Anthony Richardson, nobody understands that because where's their production? But let me tell you. You know, the Richardson thing is crazy because if you just watch his Utah game, you're, like, sold. But he still didn't throw for any touchdowns. Then you watch his – like, I was in Fayetteville. It was the day of the Ole Miss-Arkansas game, and I was working on hot boards and columns about Lane Kiffin leaving and all that stuff. It's about a lost day. Um, <laughs> geez. Congratulations. Yeah, but, I mean, I was I was ready. If it happened, I was ready to go. Um, but I, I had on Vanderbilt, Florida in my hotel room that day. And, man, oh, man. Like, man, oh, man. Are you, you, are you kidding? Yeah. If someone had – if the football gods had dropped into my hotel room that day at the Hilton Garden Inn and – Fayetteville over there on Steamboat and said, hey, that guy, he might go number one. I would have said, you, man, y'all been drinking today. I would have said, "You are, wow. Did y'all just like walk over from Sassy's over there and just, just are y'all hammered? Why didn't you call me? Yeah. It's crazy. So I said all that to say this. If you don't have a guaranteed number one, like you that you're you're ready to risk your franchise on. Sure. If you look at just the capability of playing a position, do you know who has the strongest arm out of all of them? Richardson. Do you know who the best athlete is out of all of them? Richardson. You know who has the best body out of all of them? Oh yeah, you got me shit. We'd all pay to look like that for one day. Who has the most upside out of all of them? Richardson, probably. So Here's the only thing you're going to knock him on. Production, which he's probably got the worst production. Get the lowest floor. Lowest floor, highest ceiling. Yeah. All right, so if you don't, if you're not I mean, sure, he might be Achilles Smith. Could be. He could be he could anybody. Be, he could be Ryan Leaf. Right? And I think this is why you get with Will Levis, you get all these Josh Allen comparisons. Because Josh Allen was the same way, right? Like, nobody, he was the 13th pick or whatever. He was a mid-range pick. But there was a lot of question marks on him coming out of college, too. Yeah, of course. Like if, yeah. Because if everybody knew Josh Allen was going to be Josh Allen, he'd have been picked a lot earlier. Yeah, you know, he played at Wyoming, so you didn't really know. How it carries over. Competition, quality of teammates, like who did he play with, what would happen when he played with NFL receivers, what would happen when he went against NFL corners, all that stuff. You just didn't know. Right. So there, if you don't have a slam dunk franchise guy, and I don't think there is in this class. Now, there's going to be one. There's going to be one probably that turns into one. But I'm just going to be honest with you. I study quarterbacks as much as anybody that's ever does it. That's all I do. I mean, I actually do it for a living. Okay, I, nice living. Do do okay. I cannot tell you if you put a gun to my head and you said, "Hey, Tyler, one of these four guys is going to be a franchise quarterback." Who is it? I I I don't know. Because any of them could, and all of them couldn't. I mean, it's literally a crapshoot. Um, it's like, you know, it's we talk about Mitch Trubisky because you're a Bears fan. It's not Mitch Trubisky's fault that he went number two overall. If you took Mitch Trubisky in the fourth round. Man, I'm glad Carson's not here right now because you want to get him t- t- uh, triggered. Start in on the Mitch Trubisky deal. We'll just start in on who they didn't take at number two. Right. All right, but let's look at that. They didn't take Patrick Mahomes, right? If ever if anyone knew that Patrick Mahomes was going to be a four hundred fifty million dollar quarterback, he'd be the first pick in the draft. There there were question oh, marks. Of course, right? It's, it's why. I, it, it, frankly, it's why when people come, don't get me wrong, I don't do the ratings thing. Don't want to do the ratings thing. I, I've told you I don't participate in the ratings thing. Yeah, there's some interesting ones out there. 
But when people go, yeah, y'all are idiots. Y'all missed that one. You missed that one. I'm like, okay, we did. You're right. They did. Rivals did. Rivals missed it. They got it wrong. How come you don't do this with NFL teams when they miss on this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy? How come you don't do that? Because unless you do that and admit that ranking human beings on potential is really hard. Yeah, because it's 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 potluck, but – I can see why he's going up, and he will continue to go up because there's no more padded games. Everything from here on out for Anthony Richardson is going to be right up his alley. The Underwear Olympics. It's going to be right up his alley. Yeah, and he's going to look awesome out there. He's going to look better than every other quarterback in the draft starting, uh, I guess, Saturday they throw. Yeah. So he's going to look he's going to look better than every quarterback in yeah. the draft from Saturday until draft day. Yeah, they're going to put so him. He's going to continue to rise. They're going to put him in a pair of shorts and one of those super tight. He's going to throw the T-shirts. ball at 85 yards, 90 and, yards. And, and no one's going to hit him. He's going he's he's to know no one's going to hit him. And he's going he's gonna to know the throw that he's making. He's, he's, he's going to make – It's scripted. It's going to be, oh, my God, he's going to blow it up. His his workout's going to be – Yeah. So And NFL teams, and I get it. They're going to look at it and go, all right, we can coach him. And, and look, they, if they have meetings with him and he blows them away in the meetings and he gets up on the whiteboard or whatever and, and, and shows that he understands what he's looking at, and I think he probably does. He's, he's coached for some – I mean, he's played for some pretty good coaches, Dan Mullen, Billy Napier. Um, you know, he gets a, gets a high character grade, and I've, I've never really heard anything about him being like a bad dude or anything. And so, you know, if, if he gets all that, some NFL team's going to go, it's hard to find quarterbacks. Yep. And – the bear I'll tell you this the Bears their hope at number one has to be that one of these guys whether it's Richardson or Levis or Bryce or whatever that one of these guys while wow, somebody number one well becomes obviously the quarterback yeah I think it will all right before we run out of time um because it's time per time sensitive I guess Jalen Car- uh Jalen Carter yeah for sure um had warrants for misdemeanors. He actually left uh, Indianapolis. He was at the combine the day he was supposed to do his interviews. He leaves the combine, goes back to Georgia, was booked in jail, and released 16 minutes later. Posted right. $4,000 bond. I think it was two misdemeanors. Um, and he's back in Indianapolis. He's back in Indianapolis uh, at the combine. Um, yeah, this is a, this is rough. This is this goes back into making sure you know everything, what's going on, and the and the facts. I don't know the facts. I read the same things you guys do. Um, it's, it's just the whole situation sad. Um, especially, you know, obviously, uh, I did not know all the individuals involved in this, but I know people that knew them <laughs> firsthand. Um, this is, it's hard for everybody involved. Um, it's a bad deal, man. The whole deal is a bad what deal. What you do know from police accounts is her, the young lady who died in the, in the crash, you know, that her blood alcohol content was very high it's like 0.19 i think is what i saw um you know that it was late you know that it was high speed and from the police report there are there's evidence that there was racing going on and the allegation is that he was racing the worst allegation and again it's an allegation yep is that he allegedly left the scene which is Not what you would hope someone would do. Yeah. And I, so, you know, he's also a young person, and I'm sure he 
was panicked. I don't know whether he was or was not impaired, whether there was whatever. Yeah, here's, the, here's the football question. Yep. Okay. We obviously, no one in the whole scheme of things, what happens to Jalen Carter's football career as opposed to the two young people who passed away, it's, it's trivial. Right. But for the sake of this conversation, let's talk about the football career. Okay. There's a chance, it's kind of like the Will Wade thing, right? There's a chance that you don't know all the evidence when the draft rolls around. The Georgia State Police, who are investigating this, are probably not going to put the speed on it and go, hey, we got to get this done by the draft, guys. Right. Um, how does this impact? This is a guy that was talked about going as high as number two in the draft. Maybe one. Maybe number one. But uh, most people think that someone will trade up and take a quarterback number one and that, that – yeah, it would have to take a non-trade for him to be one. Yeah, Carter and <laughs> Carter and Anderson will go two, three in some order. That's that's the gen- general consensus at this point. Does this impact a team's it definitely, thought process? It definitely could. They're going to dig into it, just like, and that's why I was going over all that stuff. Dude, they're going to dig. They're going to find out everything. The fact if you try to hide something from the NFL, it's not possible. They have private investigators on on speed dial. I mean, probably some of them on their staff. Um. Everything will be found out, even if it's not reported yet. They will they will know all the facts. Um, do I think it could hurt him in the draft? I do, but not probably by, not by a lot. I think he'll. Um, I mean, at worst, he top five. He'll be a top five pick. I think still. You know, he may slide a spot or two, but I think he'll still be a top five pick at the end of the day. Um, but it's, like you said, it's just a terrible a terrible, terrible thing that happened um, for everybody involved. I mean, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking, man. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Literally the context of that is just, they'd had a victory parade that day. Yeah. They had celebrated that day. Yep. Sad, man. Mm. Um, we'll switch gears before we get out of here because I know you wanted to talk about this. It'll be the last thing we go over <clears throat> before we get out of here. Um, Killer Cam actually brought it up in the chat, so it's perfect timing. Oh, there. yeah, how about that? It's like Killer was in on the production. It's meeting. like he was in listening. We may have our mics hot. Um, Deion Sanders has pissed off a lot of the Karens in the world about an interview he did on Rich Eisen's show. Now, this happened like two weeks ago. Okay. I say that maybe a week ago. I don't know. It's happened several days ago. Okay. And it was talked about briefly, and then it went away. And then we had more people with blue check marks that decided to chime in and bring it back up six, seven days, like the news cycle had already passed. Um, I don't always agree with Dion. I'm on Dion's side on this one. I think he was trying to make a joke. Okay. I took it how I took it, Tyler Siski's opinion. So that'll buy you a cup of coffee if you come to Quick U Studios. No, but you're pretty good with stuff like this. I mean, you know, voice tone. I mean, yeah. he was. I mean, was he being dead serious? Or was right. he having some fun with a longtime friend? Because he and Dan Patrick are. I mean, Rich Eisen are, are, yeah. are longtime friends. So the whole point of the drill, they were asking, "Hey, what are your criteria? What are you looking for in players?" That was kind of the question, right? Yeah. So he starts with quarterbacks. He goes, "You know, we're looking for smart guys. Shocker, everybody does." It's like you know, two parent homes, three, you know, three five GPA, really smart guys because they have to be the leader of men. He used that, which is okay, cool. Um, and then he starts, goes to the offensive line. He says, you know, we're looking for two-parent homes and offensive linemen, um, you know, strong male influence, um, but smart guys go that. And then he 
then he goes to try to make a joke, and somebody says, what about D-line? Okay? He is making a joke. He says, oh, D-line is different, man. Sing, <laughs> single mamas, free lunch. Um, you know, we're, they want, somebody wants to, you know, go get theirs. You know, mama can't make the flight, whatever. He's making a joke. Okay? Yes, so very clearly. I coach, just so everybody understands how the inner workings of a football team work in, in college, in, in the, not high school, but in college, in the NFL. All right? There are two rooms that are full of drama. Wide receiver. Num- well, number one is defensive line. Okay. If you're the D-line coach, like <laughs> every D-line coach in America listening right now goes, yep, preach it, brother. I'm talking about it is a nonstop. Like you spend just as much time trying to keep those suckers out of trouble and on, on the straight and narrow as you do coaching them how to sack the quarterback. I mean, <laughs> great issues. It doesn't matter. Okay. All right. D-line, every D-line room in America has this problem. This is not unique to Colorado or anybody else. Pick Ole Miss across the street, Even Mississippi Alabama? State, Alabama, wherever. Okay. Okay. Defensive line traditionally across the history of football is, I mean, we can call my good friend Chris Kiffin, get him on the show. If, I don't know if he can legally do it anymore. But he's in the NFL dealing with it. You know, he would tell me stories about guys that you wouldn't even think. I mean, he's like, it's just drama all the time. Okay. I coach the second most drama, which is the receiver position. Yeah. Because everybody wants to catch 87 passes, okay? If they don't catch – if they don't get theirs, they pout. And then they don't want to go play hard. I mean, it happens in the NFL. As much as I love him, A.J. Brown's crying and complaining in the first round of the playoffs because he didn't get enough touches. Yeah. But that's how – but you want him to be like that. You want him to be competitive. Yeah. He just didn't get touches because they're running it down the Giants' throat, right? Right. But the fact that all these blue check marks – are coming out here and trying to make this some kind of political deal. And I can't believe you. they were trying to ba- – I mean, there were people trying to accuse him of turning on his own race. I mean, it, it got silly. It got silly. Like, Dion, you just keep doing your thing. He just said that – he just – he was trying to make a joke. But if you hey, – but you know what? And he just got through being the one of the – maybe the most vocal advocate for HBCUs. How, how can you then turn around and go, you're, you're – you're... I was just like, preach it, Dion. I was just I was for him, man. Well, here's and I'm my still you, you know my thing here, because I told you this. I said, can you imagine if a white coach had said that they'd have killed him? But if a white coach had said the same thing, joking around, he, he would have literally w- would get killed. We've as a society, man, we've got to go back to having a little bit of a sense of humor. Okay, we got to be able to laugh a little bit, make fun of ourselves yeah. a little bit. Dion's proven at Colorado. Whether he wins or loses, we'll see. Yeah. But he's proven at Colorado that Dion is in the scoreboard business. I don't think Dion cares whether he's got 85 white guys, 85 black guys, 85 Hispanic guys, or some combination thereof. Dion very clearly is trying to do what it takes to win. Yep. Now, I'm not saying he's going to win, and I'm not saying he's not going to win. But if you can't listen to an argument, to a conversation that he has with his buddy, Rich Eisen, they've known each other a long time. They're friends. Rich Eisen's a white guy. Dion's a black guy. And they're having a conversation in which Dion's cracking jokes. If you can't listen to that and go, he's funny, whatever, there's a little bit of truth in stuff, it's all right. Yeah. But if you know what's, what's what I, we started this whole podcast talking about the NFL, right? Yep. Do you know what they ask you when you come in? Hey, does he have a two parent home or one parent home? Yep. Where did Dion come from? NFL. Big NFL background. They ask all those questions. Yeah, because they want to know. They hey, know what are, what are, what are we dealing with? You gotta you gotta know 
who he is, yeah. where's he you, from, you know, what makes him tick, what, what are what are his what are his weaknesses, what are the things that if it happens he can't respond to it, what are the things that 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 he responds positively to? Can is this a guy that I can mf or is this a guy that when it's bad when he when he when he, I've got to put an arm around him I got to love him back? What is what what am I dealing with here? And you only find out those things by finding out where someone's from. Yeah. And someone who's from a single parent home in 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 an impoverished area is probably going to have a slightly different life outlook. 100%. Than a young person who comes from a, a two parent home that's super stable and dad's there every night and mom's got dinner on the table at 6:15. There's differences, man. And no, I'm not saying anybody's better or worse or anything like that, but there's differences, and if you're in the NFL and you're in the business of we got to win games because to, to keep our jobs, we got to win games. We're paying these people a lot of money. We're making investments. We got to know who we're investing in. All right, and I will finish on this. You brought up, and I didn't even have this to talk about, but you just hit a very, very true point here. When I recruited kids, Neil, I'm a receivers coach. Okay, the way I coached is I coached hard. I did. I coached hard. I held, I put my thumb on them, okay, and I coached very difficult. I mean, I was, I could be ornery at times. So I had to, when I went to go recruit a kid, whether he came from a two-parent home or he came from a one-parent home, it did not matter. Part of my recruitment of that kid was knowing how he could, could he handle that. Sure. All right, so I'm going to give you a couple examples. I, this last two, it freshly came to my mind. Okay. Jalen Wayne is a receiver. He was in the Senior Bowl. He was a wide receiver from South Alabama. I recruited him, single-parent home from the mom. All right. You know what mother did for a living? She was the military ROTC officer on campus at South Alabama. She rode his ass like Zorro. She rode him hard. Well, you know what that told me? He could handle it. He could handle it. He was and used so to it. He, he might even thrive it. in it. Correct. So right. I could coach him hard and get the best out of him. Right. All right. Jordan McRae was a receiver that we had there. Okay. He's another one that pops in my head. Single-parent home, except this time the parent was a dad. Okay. Dad, thumb all on him, very strict, very hard, very regiment, made him work out. I knew what I was getting with those kids. Yeah. Now, on the contrary, and I had, and I, this was over a, a course of my career. Early in my career, I remember recruiting a kid that was very, very, very talented. Okay? Very talented. And did not have mom or dad. His grandparents raised him. Okay? His grandparents were 70-something years old, and his, his mom and dad were in, in jail. Um, dad wasn't in the picture. Mom was in jail. So grandparents raised him from a very early age, but they already had their kids. They let this kid get away with anything he wanted to do, right? Mm -hmm. He wasn't dealing with any kind of direction. And so I took him. We signed him. But when I coached that kid, if I got on – and I knew this in his background. If I got on him and coached him hard, he would shut down. I couldn't get anything out of him. So I had – you have to understand their background to be able to understand, like, what have they been getting for the last 18 years – so you know when you go to coach them and you're trying to get the best out of them, you know what they respond to. That particular kid, at first I was rah, 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 and I was 28 years old, whatever it was. Yeah. I was rah, 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 dude, shut down. I'm talking about couldn't get anything out of them. Sure. But, but instead of going, you know, he bust a route. Instead of going, gosh dang it, you know, yeah, blah, 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 and say anything. He comes over there, put my arm around him, say, hey, man, what you got on that route? It's like, coach, I know I got a curl. Hey. You know what to do. Let's go, Big Daddy. Instead, and somebody, the same kid that comes from like that 
it's a whole different approach. Of course, of course. And so part of, of being a coach and running a program is knowing how to take your players and motivating them to make them their best. That's the secret to coaching. That's what you pay money for in coaching. That's why Nick Saban is the best because he does the exact same thing. He goes as deep as getting a psychology guy to come in there and tell him that, hey, this is how this guy is. You know, Cyrus Jones was one in Alabama that he could not rip his ass. He had to treat him differently, and he got the best out of him. The, the trick to being a successful coach, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, or whatever, okay, is to be able to, to, to coach your kids and be able to motivate them and whatever makes them tick and make them the best that they can possibly be. And that's a big part of it is understanding where they came from. Sure. Sure. All right, we'll wrap it up there, homie. You got anything else? Uh, no, I think we're good. Appreciate uh, everybody being part of the show. Again, uh, sorry for a little bit of an abbreviated one. I, I, I screwed something up. It's all good. Uh, there's a beer garden up, uh, by the way, on the site with okay. uh, former major leaguer John Lieber. He was going to be a guest on tonight's show, but <clears throat> somebody, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to name names, <laughs> somebody forgot to hit the record button. Um, but I did get the audio, so. Hey, real quick before we go, good. I'm not going to discuss it, but the UFC 285, I know you're excited about that. Mm -hmm. Will you please, just for, for your boy, for your boy, will you please, even if you got to record it, watch a little bit of the prelims this week? This is the biggest pay-per-view in a long time. Yeah, just remind me when it is. Saturday night, 5 o'clock. Okay. I'm going, I'm going to text you. All right. It's yep. a great card. All right, so uh, for Tyler, I'm Neil. Again, our thanks to the uh, fine people at Rain for uh, making this show possible. Rain Total Body Fuel, 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. It's got what you need to um, push the limits and achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of, uh, of the show. And uh, until then, have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. Talk to you soon. Bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.